You know, life is a lot about responding and reacting, isn't it, to people? You know, when you get in the car today, especially if you're driving, you are, you're responding to people a lot, aren't you? My wife suffers from a mild form of what's called road rage. Do any of y'all have that? And what bothers me is that she's going to get me beat up someday. I mean, you know, it's always the man who has to get out and deal with the six foot nine, 400 pound former NFL player who's a Navy SEAL, right? Is that your wife that just cut me off? I have no idea. I'm a hitchhiker. I have no idea who that crazy, like flip the car over. I'm out of here, dude. But we respond when we drive. We respond at ball games. Some of you respond well. Some of you maybe not as well. It's a true story. I was at a ball game a few weeks ago. As little girls were playing. Not little girls. Girls about 11 or 12, I guess. And uh, this man was hollering as this girl was running around the bases, run, biggin'. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you don't holler biggin' at a girl. And he let it, that's my daughter. I thought, that's a, you don't, you don't say biggin' to a woman, amen? That's a strange, unless she's your daughter or your wife, I guess. But, but we do respond. We respond in traffic, ball games. When we interact with people, life's about how, how we do interact and respond. In Luke chapter 6 this morning, Jesus is going to share some things with us that are profound about how we are to respond to people. Luke chapter 6, these are weird, but they're wonderful. Luke chapter 6, it begins with this, don't respond to insults with insults. This is a familiar passage to many of us. We've heard it. We've heard it uh, stated, verse 29, to the one who strikes you on the, the cheek, I'm using the English Standard Version this morning, offer the other also. Turn the other cheek from the one who takes away your cloak. Do not withhold your tunic either. Now, I, in, in my belief, this has been misunderstood and misinterpreted and, and misapplied a whole lot. I want to give you two things what it doesn't mean, what this passage is not saying, are two things that, that in light of this passage that we should do. Number one, we should defend others. This passage is not telling you to let someone hurt your children, to hurt your wife, to, to not protect someone who's weaker. That's not what this passage is teaching. In fact, what it's teaching is going to be much harder than that, what we see in a moment. At my first church, there was a family that lived right next to our church, the Fitz family. And Mr. Fitz had spent 15 to 20 years in uh, the Texas State Prison. He was obviously out at this time, and we became friends. And you don't normally just ask somebody out of the blue, hey, what'd you go to the big house for? You know, you, you kind of let that evolve in the relationship. And so he, uh, he told me one day, I said, well, you know what, well, what happened? He goes, well, someone beat up my brother, and, and I de- defended my brother. And I said, he went to prison for 15 years for that? He goes, well, I did shoot the guy and killed him. Well, that may be defending him a little to the extreme, would you agree? So I might don't shoot him to defend him, but... This passage is not teaching you let someone abuse people who are weaker or more vulnerable. Here's the second thing. You defend your character. You defend your character. What do do I mean by your character? We're going to get to the heart of the passage in just a second. But your character is essentially who you are. Let me give you a few examples. If someone says that you're a liar, you're a child molester, that you're an adulterer, that you're a thief, that you cheat people in your business, hopefully everything I just said is not true. And you know what you need to do in a loving and kind way? You need to go to that person and say, that's not true. And you need to zip your pie hole. That's not true. 
You should defend your character, again, in a loving and kind way. But nobody has a right. And you can't always chase down everybody that does this. But nobody has a right to slander your name and your character. And certainly those things aren't true. You should gently and kindly but clearly respond to them. Here's what this passage is saying. Let the insults go. And, folks, this is tremendously difficult. How many of you remember who Winston Churchill was? You, 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 no, I wasn't alive when Churchill was alive, but Churchill was the great English leader in World War II. And he was, uh, he, he was a, a great leader, but he was also had kind of a sharp tongue, and he drank too much. That's a bad combination when you get alcohol with a smart aleck. One night, he was walking down the street in London, and he'd been jer- drinking too much, and he kind of had a feud with a, with a woman, a high society lady there in England called Lady Astor. And when they bumped into each other, she looked at him. I guess she could see the way he was, he was walking, and she smelled alcohol in his breath, and she said, Sir Winston, you are drunk again. And he said, Lady, I am drunk, and you are ugly. In the morning, I will be sober, and you will still be ugly. That's how we want to respond to insults, isn't it? Jesus says in verse 29, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. We had a little video we cut this week. How many of you saw this video? We're going to give you a little clip of that. And while we're giving that, Josh, come on down. Come on up here. But let's watch this video and then we'll dive into the meat of this. Turn the other cheek. This youth minister, I think you're doing a great job. (laughs) That's great, wasn't it? Josh, stand over here for just a second. Okay. He says when one strikes you, the word strike can mean to hit with the hand, but it can also mean to to slap or to backhand. And it says when someone strikes you on the the cheek, the cheek can be the jawbone, but very often it's talking about about the cheek. Now, Matthew 39 is kind of the sister passage of this verse. It gives a little more clarity. It says, but I say to you, do not resist the evil one, the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other off. So, Josh, stand right here. Okay, to a Jewish person, now now this passage, Jesus is assuming most people are right-handed. So, we're facing each other. We're facing each other. And if I'm going to slap him on the right cheek to do so, I would do it with the right hand. It would be a backhand, wouldn't it? It would be a backhand. Y'all mean hit him hard? A backhand. Okay. And that, that is the... Uh, there you go. Good youth ministry. Do not need him on the stage too long, do we? Okay, so you're, you're saying, well, well, what is the implication of that? Well, for the Jewish people, to be backhanded was a tremendous insult. You were really insulting them. Now, to be backhanded hard obviously would hurt, but, but that's not the point. It was really the insult. And in fact, about 15 years later, as Christianity was really becoming prominent in, among Jewish people, the synagogue, which is the Jewish version of the local, we would say the local church, the local religious place, when a person became a Christian, they kicked them out of the synagogue. And one of the things they would do is they kicked them out is they would give them a ceremonial slap, a backhand of disgust. So the backhand, as much as anything else, was an insult. And Jesus says, when you are insulted, when someone backhands you, when someone 
And this word also strike can not only mean hit, it can mean to hurt or wound spiritually, which is important. Jesus says, basically, when someone is insulting you, cutting you down, making fun of you, belittling you, you want to strike back. You want to attack. You want to chase them down and call them up and call them out. Jesus is saying, walk away. What's the difference in someone assassinating your character and insulting your character? That's someone calling you a liar, someone calling you an adulterer, someone calling you a cheat. That's your character. This isn't any more enjoyable, but this is what Jesus is talking about. This is when someone says, that is just, that kid can't play. They're just terrible. Are that coach, they don't know what, they're idiots. Are those teachers, they don't know. They shouldn't be teaching my kids. They don't know what they're talking about. Are that preacher, he's a buffoon. We know that's obviously not true, but the, in, the insult is when someone is, is de- degrading you, cutting you down, saying you're not up to par. And, and Jesus says, as bad as that hurts, as frustrating as that is, as cowardly, and, and the people that make those cheap shots are always people who can't do it themselves 99% of the time. Amen? Those coaches don't know anything. Yeah, why, why aren't you coaching full time? Because you can't do it properly. Those musicians, they could do it better. Hey, dude, come on up here. We got to, we'll let you. Well, I'll take that back. Some of you, we won't. Abraham Lincoln gave the most profound, greatest speech, the Gettysburg Address, probably the most famous speech in American history. When I was in school, we still had to memorize that occasionally. Short, brief, powerful. In his day, newspapers said it was silly, it was ludicrous, it was shallow, it was weak, it was ignorant. Folks, if people are going to insult and criticize the Gettysburg Address and Abraham Lincoln, they're going to criticize and they're going to belittle and they're going to insult you too. And you know what Jesus says to that? That's more about them than it is about you. As hard as it is, Jesus said the way to respond to an insult is just to walk away from it and pray for them. Okay? Let insults roll off of you is what Jesus says. Let the insults go. Here's the second thing. Don't sweat being taken advantage of. Now, these are tough things, so I'm not going to let people's insults really chew on me. I'm not going to go attack them for insult to me, and I'm not going to worry about when people try to take advantage of me. Verse 29, to the one who strikes you on, on the cheek, offer the other. And one who takes your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. Now, the cloak, I got an example of the cloak. The cloak was their, the Jewish person's outer garment. We might think of it kind of as an overcoat, which are, these are really popular in Louisiana in July. Have you noticed that? See, you see a lot. If you see someone wearing this, run, because they're either crazy or they, they're hiding something, right, in July. So this is like the cloak in Jesus' day. It's really important because it kept them warm. Also, especially if you were traveling, you, you might use this as your blanket. You, you might wrap up in it at night. And Jesus said, if someone comes to you, which a Roman soldier could come to a Jewish person or a non-Roman citizen at any time and say, give me your cloak, Jesus said, give it to him. Give it to him. It's kind of futile to resist. Maybe he's talking about if, if, if a criminal is holding you up, go ahead and just give it to him. Don't resist it. Don't fight. And Jesus takes it another step farther. Jesus says, if they I want your cloak, give them, basically take your shirt off and give it to them. Don't sweat when people are trying to take advantage of you. Don't get uptight about how different this is from the way we live and the world that we live in. Verse 30 
It says, give to everyone who begs from you. And the one who takes away your goods, don't demand it back. Again, maybe this is a criminal trying to steal it. Maybe this is someone taking it from you by force or or just abusing it. Maybe Jesus is using some hyperbole here to exaggerate it. But let me tell you the heart of what Jesus is saying. Not that you let the burglar come in and take all your stuff. But Jesus is saying, most of us go through life and we are so mad and so frustrated when we get a little insulted. Well, they don't know what they're talking about. They're not a good doctor. They're not a good lawyer. They're not a good counselor. They're not good at their business. And we just, man, if I know I, it hurts. Jesus, let it go. And then we're so uptight if we feel like someone's taking advantage of us. I'm not going to let anybody take advantage of us. L- listen, here's what we, we, we live in a shoot first, ask questions later, don't we? I don't get mad, I get even. It's about my rights. I'm looking out for number one. I'm going to do it to you before you do it to me. That's not the Jesus way. In in 2001, I think it was 2001, I was in Mexico on a mission trip, and we were ministering to a group of people, some, some workers in the area. They were very, very poor people. And we were giving them like these gift bags. And it wasn't like just lunch. I mean, it was like food and stuff for, for several days. And we, they were lined up and we were given, it was a group of men, we were giving each and one of them a bag. Well, I noticed this one man got a bag, then he snuck over the other part of the line, he got another bag, he snuck over another part of the line and got a third bag. Well, one of the people with us noticed that too, and he got up and I thought, oh man, he's going to go and he's going he's gonna to humiliate this guy or let him have it. Because the guy had three bags, and he was kind of laughing to his friends how he'd, you know, he'd tricked the church, he'd gotten these things. My friend grabbed two bags, two more bags, and he walked up to the guy. Nobody knew what was going on. I mean, none of our people, so it wasn't like humiliating this person. But he walks up to this person who had just taken three when he was only supposed to have one, and he gives him two more. He goes, hey, man, here, why don't you take these two? And it was the most wonderful thing because the guy who thought he was beating the system had the system just poured right back on him and bless him. And I think that's what Jesus is, is talking about. Quit, quit standing up for your rights so much. Quit, quit worrying about getting insulted so much. Let those things go. If people take advantage of you, you know what? Most of that's not going to matter this time next month, much less this time 100 years from now. Don't sweat it when people take advantage of you. Here's the third thing Jesus said, and all these are really tough. Jesus says be generous with our money. Be, be generous with our money. This isn't tithing, so don't panic. One thing he says here is give to the poor people. Verse 30, give to everyone who begs from you. In in the Eastern world, there was a lot of beggars. There's a lot of beggars in in America. And this is talking about basically the helpless person, someone who's helpless, someone who doesn't have anything. Give to them what you can. In verse 33, he says this, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that? The word good means to be benevolent. It means to, to help someone out. Verse 33, do good to those. Be, be, be benevolent. Now, now, listen, here's what's neat. A lot of times, in, in, as a pastor and, and as a church, we deal with this weekly, multiple times a week. And so you have to be careful. You don't want to facilitate someone's problems. You don't want to give them money. We need money for food and diapers, and they're going buying crack. You don't want to facilitate that. 
Or, or you're, you're at a gas station this afternoon. Someone walks up and says, hey, I need some money for this or that. Okay, I, I'll give you an example. Back about six months ago, a guy met me at a parking lot on a Sunday and said, hey, I'm trying to get to Shreveport. My mom's in the hospital. I don't have any gas money. I gave him some money. Uh, two weeks later, he came up to me and goes, hey, I'm trying to get to Shreveport. My mom's in the hospital. It was the exact same story. And, and, uh, and I said, you know, I can't, I can't help you because at that point, I would have been facilitating whatever wrong he was wanting. But most of the time, we're uptight about, well, if I get what, they're going to take advantage, they're going to do wrong. Listen, if you're helping somebody and they do wrong with it, that's on them, not on you. God's not going to punish you for, for trying to help somebody. Be generous with people who need help. A- absolutely. Listen, in verse 36, it says, Be merciful, be compassionate, as your Father in heaven is merciful. Over 130 times in the Old Testament, it describes God, the Father, as the Father of compassion. It describes God as being merciful. So when we're generous to people who don't have, we're blessing them. And here's another thing he says. Just be generous to everyone. In verse 34, if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. The word lend means to loan on interest. Now, the Jewish people, Old Testament Jewish law said that you could not charge a fellow Jewish person interest. That's pretty cool, isn't it? If you're a Jewish person, you find a rich Jewish friend and you borrow money from them and they can't, they weren't, they couldn't charge you interest. But in Jesus' day in the Roman world, and the Romans dominated this part of the world, some, sometimes interest was charged up to 48 to 50 percent on a loan. That is gigantic. If you don't understand that, that is a lot of interest on a loan. And Jesus is saying, man, that stuff is so wrong. He's not saying you shouldn't charge interest, but what Jesus is saying is to be generous with people. Sometimes you can loan money to a family member or a friend. Again, not facilitating bad behavior, and you have to sometimes figure out if you are facilitating bad behavior, if it's a constant thing. But Jesus is saying, man, be generous with your money. Loan to people. You don't always have to, I'm not talking about a bank, I'm talking about using an individual. You don't always have to give to people expecting to get back 10%, 15%, 20% interest is what he's saying here. Be generous. And he's even, listen, he's pushing the envelope here and he's saying, sometimes you may lend to somebody and you may not get it back. Do it anyway. Now, I want to give you a biblical principle, and it is a biblical principle for that. Never loan out anything you cannot afford to lose. What does that mean? Some of you are very wealthy. You might could give somebody $10,000, and if they didn't pay you back, that wouldn't hurt you. I can't lend you $10,000, and if, you, if I did and you don't pay me back, we have got a major league problem. I, I, I don't have that to give you. Now, don't come ask me after church, at least today, wait a week. But if you need $100 and I loan you $100 and you don't pay me back, I probably won't put you on the finance committee in the future. And I probably won't loan you money again. But I can lose $100. Never loan out what you couldn't lose. That makes sense. But, but Jesus is, man, he's taking this to such a deeper level. He said, I want you to be generous with your money. I want you to give to people. When you see that person on the street or you see that person that's poor, that person that's begging and that's needy, if you can help them, help them. 
If there's somebody that you can help or you can bless, they may not be able to even pay you back or they certainly can't pay you any interest. He says, be generous anyway. Think how radical everything Jesus is saying. Don't respond to insults with insults. Don't sweat being taken advantage of. Don't live always about my rights and my way. And he's saying, when it comes to your money, be generous. Be a giver. I heard a person say, one time about our church, he was talking about a church. He said, all they talk about is give, give, give. Christianity in churches is a give, give, give. Folks, Christianity is a give, give, give religion. It is about being generous and it's about being kind. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. And I want to bring it together and tell you this. Great things happen when we live this way. Folks, listen. This is weird, it's tough, it's tough, it's tough. But when you and I live this way, because it's the Jesus way, it's wonderful. Here's the first thing. You're going to be a great example for Christ, a great Christian example. Look at verse 34 again. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners, and the word sinner means a habitual bad sinner, a bad person. Jesus was saying, look. Sinners, even the worst people, they're going to respond insult to insult. They're going to not let anybody ever take advantage of them. They're not going to be generous with their money. How, if you say you're a Christian, how are you different if you live the same way? Jesus said, I want you to be different. I want you to, look at verse 35. Love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great. You will be like the sons, called the sons of the Most High, of God, for he is kind and to the ungrateful and to the evil. Jesus is saying here, you are like God when you behave this way. Matthew 5, 48. Again, this is a sister passage. Therefore, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father's perfect. Perfect doesn't mean sinless. Perfectly means mature. You go, I want to be a mature Christian. How do I grow up in Jesus Christ? How do I look like Christ? Take the Bible studies. Do the notebook work. But it's what you do with your life that makes you like Jesus. That's what maturity is. Maturity is not winning a religious argument. It's living like Christ. And when you can go through life not responding insult to insult, not worrying about being taken advantage and being generous, you know what? You are a mature Christian at that point. Isn't that great? And that's hard, isn't it? But, but you're doing the right thing. Here's the second thing. Other people's lives will be changed by your behavior. When you live this way, you are going to impact other people in a tremendous way. Listen, the world's watching. Your kids are watching you. Some of you go, well, I don't know why my kids turn out the way they did. By a mirror. <laughs> well, it's the youth minister's fault. It's the coach's fault. It's the t- it. Nobody has more influence on them than you have. When you live this way, you impact other people tremendously. A man named Julio Diaz is a social worker in New York City. I told this story to my wife last night. She said, is this a true story? It is a true story. Julio was walking home from work one day, and a a young man in the winter came running up to him with a knife and said, give me your billfold. Julio, obviously being fairly intelligent, took his billfold out, and he gave the criminal his billfold. And the guy began to back away, walking off. Well, Julio noticed the guy did not have a coat on, and it's in the middle of December, New York City. And Julio said, hey, wait a second. You want my coat too? And the guy said, well, I guess so. And he gave him his coat. And Julio noticed the guy looked skinny and, and kind of 
drawn up like he hadn't eaten much. He goes, you want to go to get supper together? You ever thought about doing this to the criminal? And the guy looked at him and goes, well, yeah, supper would be great. <laughs> so Julio and his mugger go to eat supper, and they spend an hour and a half eating supper together. When supper's over, Julio asks the criminal, he goes, can I borrow my billfold back to pay for our supper? And the guy goes, well, I guess so. <laughs> he pays for his supper as they're walking out. The, the guy gives Julio his billfold back and gives him his knife. Isn't that awesome? You see, when you and I live this way, it just freaks people out in a good way. This is how you impact other people. Let me tell you the last thing. God's going to bless you greatly when you live this way. Folks, you never live the God way and God not pour it back on you. Luke 6, 35, it says, Love your enemies, do good to them, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. Reward is what you have earned. Great means enormous. Listen, let me tell you two things. When you live this way, God is going to bless you here. God's going to bless you here. He's going to reward you here. We're not going to put it on the screens, but if you're taking notes, Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, I'm paraphrasing, and it basically says that when you pour it out, God is going to bless you. God blesses you. That's not just money, that's everything. But also, when you get to heaven someday, man, can you imagine walking into heaven someday and you have lived this way, not perfectly, but consistently. Can you imagine what God is going to say to you when you walk into heaven and you have lived this way? God is going to pat you on the head and give you a hug, and he is going to reward you like you cannot imagine. Isn't that wonderful? See, it'll pay off. It will absolutely pay off. Have you ever heard of a guy named David Wilkerson? Anybody heard of that name? He was an Assembly of God preacher. You ever heard of a guy named Nicky Cruz? Anybody heard the name Nicky Cruz? Let me give you the name of two books, and one of them is in a movie. You ought to read them. Run, baby, run. Run, baby, run. That's easy. The Cross and the Switchblade may be the name of the movie. It's the name of a book, too. David Wilkerson was a preacher. He felt like God called him to go to New York City to minister to the, the, the gangs in the 1950s. For a long time, he didn't even have a place to stay, and he lived in his car, and he found this one gang, the Mau Mau's, which is one of the largest, most brutal gangs in the 50s in in New York City. He knew to reach the gangs, he had to to reach the leader. And the leader of this gang was Nicky Cruz. David Wilkerson began to walk up to Nicky Cruz and tell him that God loved him and tell Nicky he needed to give his life to Christ. Nicky Cruz spit in his face. He slapped him. He cussed him, told him he was going to kill him, threatened him with a gun, threatened him with a knife. Borrowed money from him, never would pay him back. David Wilkerson would go back again and say, Nicky, God loves you. You need to give your life to him. Consistently, this happened. Spit in his face, cuss him, slap him. One night, they were going to have a little uh, a crusade, and they got all the gangs together. Can you imagine the atmosphere of that? And David Wilkerson was going to preach about Jesus, and he got the gang leaders to take up the offering. Bad mistake, Right? They went to the back, and they were going to run out, but they, and I think the Holy Spirit told them, no, just go back in, and that very night, Nicky Cruz got saved. Last 50 years, Nicky Cruz has been a preacher, and he has helped thousands and thousands and thousands of people come to Jesus Christ. You know why? Not only the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit using a man named David Wilkerson who is willing to be insulted, taken advantage of, and not worry about any of those repercussions to try to bring glory to God and to reach somebody for him. That's what God's calling us to do. Let's pray.
This morning, if you're a Christian, we'll talk and more in a moment about what God has called you to do. You're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. You don't know if you're a Christian and you're ready to do it. You're ready to do it and you're sincere. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand, and here's what I want you to do. Maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart. Are you ready to do so? You come today. You cannot do anything that I've talked about today if Jesus Christ is not in your heart. It's impossible. You need him in your life, you come. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church family. We would love for you to do that. You can join after church, catch one of our ministers. Or when we stand, you can come today. You can come, we'll be down here, and you can join us. We'd love for you to come and join us today. Christian, maybe where you're standing, or maybe at the altar, you want to say today, you know what, it's time for me to grow up in my faith. It's time for me to be a mature Christian. And with the help of God, I'm going to start living the way he's called me to do it. Man, make that commitment. Let's stand. You come now.